We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about unity and what that means, because we've been um, talking about it a lot recently. Um, It feels like almost all we've been talking about in the kind of run-up to the big feast that we had, this kind of covenant we have with each other and how important that is. But I struggle sometimes to really get to grips with what that really means, and I think we might have lots of competing ideas of what unity is. So I wanted to delve a bit deeper into what we're talking about when we talk about unity in the body, in the church. Um, And this is a verse that we've seen a lot. John and Jamie have talked extensively about this. Um, I've highlighted the bit, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Um, And that sounds like, okay, yeah, cool, I've got that. That's all we have to do then, be one in heart and mind. But actually, that's really difficult. Um, And actually, I think sometimes our view of what being one in mind is can be quite different from perhaps what what the Bible says about unity. So I'm going to start with a little exercise. So who's got a paper and pen or um, an app that you can draw a picture in? Has everybody got one? Just just get get your bits out for a minute. You can do this at home on, if you're a Zoomie as well, you can do this. Um, so I'm just going to give you 30 seconds, and I want everyone to hopefully this one, draw me a tree. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I want to see your best impression of a tree, okay? Has everyone got their pen and paper? Or, or you know, whatever you've got. Have a little sketch. I want to see some beautiful artwork. You've got 30 seconds. Move it up. Okay, hope you're doing that at home as well, drawing some nice trees. Okay, can I see, can you all hold up your pictures of trees, everyone? Let me see your trees. It's quite hard to see from here, actually. Okay, well, there's some Christmas trees, good. There's some quite, <laughs> Nick's is quite, um, quite interpretive. Um, lovely, some really bold, bold kind of classic, like, kiddie trees with the big round fluffy bits on top. Um, <laughs> excellent trees, guys. So... Here's some examples of all the different kinds of things you might have drawn when you were drawing a tree. Yeah? And I'm going to make a really obvious point now. Was anybody's tree the same as anybody else's tree? Did anybody draw an identical tree? No? If you were to get everyone in the whole of Dagenham to draw a tree, would anyone's tree be the same as your tree? If you were to get everyone in the whole world to draw a tree, there would not be a tree that was identical to the tree you just drew. And that sounds like a really obvious thing to say. Like, obviously, we're all different. We know that. But sometimes when it comes to thinking about our opinions, our views on things, um, how we think things should be done, we can kind of think, oh, actually, the way that I process things and the way that I present things, that's the correct way. Why don't people see it like I see it? But just like drawing a tree... We're all filtering all of these things through our own experience and our own unique brain that God has given us. 
And I think when it comes to unity, it can be hard to remember that sometimes. Um, so how can we have unity if we are all different? You know, we all have different opinions about things. And, and, and drawing a tree is not an important thing. And there are many things that we can have opinions about that really don't matter, like whether it's appropriate to sing Christmas carols only in December, or, you know, um, whether mulled wine is lovely or disgusting. You know, those things don't matter, but these things do. And I'm sure over the past year or so, as we've been doing Zoom, as we've had lockdown, as things have really changed for us as a church, we've all had quite strong opinions about how, how church should be run, how it should be done. We've all had a really good idea, and we've seen something happen and thought, nah, they're, they're doing it wrong. Or maybe we're getting a bit frustrated about that. We might have different ideas about which political stance best reflects God's heart. People have very strong ideas about this one, and it can be really hard to see the opposite side. We, we find it impossible to believe that somebody who thinks differently to us in terms of how they vote sometimes um, can, can be a follower of Jesus, and, and that's, that's a problem. How we should read scripture, this is a really difficult one. Like, sometimes we read a verse and we think, oh yeah, that's, that's great, that's really obvious, but actually, different people will get different things from it. Um, during lockdown, I, I went for a walk with a friend in the park and we were talking about a particular passage of scripture. And basically, we just saw it completely differently. I, I was saying, well, it means this. And she was saying, no, 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 it means the opposite. It means you should live life this way. And the kind of, uh, kind of outworking of what the scripture said, we interpreted literally opposite, like it was black and white. Like, and, and it was very frustrating. And I was like, oh. Um, but I'm going to come back to that later because... I think over the last year, God's really shown me something about what unity actually is. And it sounds obvious, but I think there are lots of things in our world today um, that would cause us to think unity is something different. Um, so some, some things I want to put to you. This is my kind of thinking on it. I don't think unity is about sharing the same opinions on everything. I don't think it's about finding it easy to be in someone's company. For it, you know, it being... A lovely joyful bubble where we're all, all you know it's really nice because we're all Christians together and we all love Jesus and we can just just enjoy that I don't think that's what it's about either oh my clickers keep not clicking and it's not about drawing a boundary so it's not about saying well we all believe this particular thing um, and if you're out of that then then you can't join in or you know even sometimes mentally we do that so it might, might not be something we say but we might think well, I'm going to do this group and I'm going to invite these people and I'm, I'm Maybe you just think, mm, no, I won't invite them because actually they won't quite fit in that setting. That would be awkward or they might, you know, they won't really like it. And sometimes we can draw these boundaries in our minds about what, which people are kind of in our kind of group. Now, just to be really clear, I'm not saying <laughs> it's wrong to have and share opinions. I think it's absolutely vital. As Elspeth was just sharing about that Zoom thing, actually, we all bring something. We all need to, to bring what, we've, what God's given us to this community. And likewise, I'm not saying it's wrong to, um, you know, we need to have particular standpoints on theology and on righteousness. And, and those things, you know, we, we have to come to some kind of consensus on those things. But I don't think though, these things here are not the basis for our unity. Um, and I've certainly got caught up in thinking that they should be. I've certainly thought, well, if, if I can't agree on this, then how can I be part of this community? How can I, how can I share a space with them? Because I'm thinking that having the same opinions on something is the basis for unity. Um, so I'm not looking at my dates at all. I've lost myself. 
So yeah, it's not about consensus. It's not about all agreeing on something um, and, and kind of sticking by that. Um, Clicking. Sorry. So back to this verse. Um, I had a look at this verse. I'm, I'm not a kind of biblical scholar, but I had a little delve into what the Greek means because I noticed that this word here, um, all the believers are one in heart and then mind or soul. Different modern translations, some translate it as mind, some translate it as soul. And to me, that's quite different. Sort of mind makes me think about, you know, that consensus, that agreement, that rational thinking. Soul makes me think about, I don't know, some kind of ethereal connection. Um, so I had a little look. What is that Greek word? And it's this word here. Can't say it. Psyche, maybe. Um, and interestingly, in different parts of the New Testament, this word is, not, is, is sometimes translated as mind, in some translations, sometimes soul, and often it's translated as life. And I think that's really interesting, because if, if we read that statement, all the believers were one in heart and mind, we can think, okay, that's about our mind, that's about how we connect mentally, you know, how we move forward with this rational thinking. But if we think about it as as being a kind of combination of all those three, our life, our mind and our soul. In, in essence, our being is, is giving of ourselves to each other. It's the kind of, it's like this vital source um, that, that we're called to be unified in. It's not about a mental, um, connect, it's not about a mental kind of empirical decision that we all agree on something. Um, so I just found that quite interesting. And we get some really clear pictures of the church in the New Testament. Um, of course, obviously, the, the most famous is of the church as a body. Um, and I think as Paul talks about the body, he takes great pains to highlight the differences in each body part. And we, we often talk about that, don't we? Each part of the body brings something different. But actually, when we have to live with that different body part, that can sometimes be difficult. Um, but that's the picture that we have, is, is the church of a body working together and, it, and caring for all of its members and, and being invested in each of its members. Um, and that's probably the most important image we have in the New Testament of, of what the church is. There's also um, the church is described as living stones being put together to make a temple for the spirit, to make a temple, a place for God to dwell. And that sense that, um, you know, individually, we're, we're not, we're not enough, but together he builds us into his, um, his place for worship, his temple, his place for shelter and salvation. Um, and then there's this image of us as a royal priesthood. Um, so for me, this speaks about how our, our identity in Christ usurps all of those other things that would seek to get in the way of that unity. So whether it's our political opinions, whether it's our stances on certain things, whether it's our like or dislike of a certain individual, this royal priesthood, like we, we are all part of this. This is our identity. And when I was thinking about like a, an image of that, I, I don't know if any of you have watched the Netflix series, The Crown, has anyone seen that? Um, and quite often it presents um, the Queen um, as having really quite strong opinions and really quite strong views on how things should be done. Um, but in her role as the monarch, she's not allowed to say any of those. She's actually, she's obligated to only um, represent the kind of crown above all things in, in public. So in other spheres, she'll, you know, say what she wants to say. 
but in public, she has to, ha she has to this identity usurps all of her other kind of identities. Um, and it's quite an interesting series. It shows how the conflict that that brings to her. But it made me think about us, that actually sometimes we think, well, I'm this person, so um, if I disagree with that individual about something, then, you know, that, that, that's really important. But ultimately, the most important identity we have is as, as this royal priesthood. And that means that our kind of most important obligation is to, to love one another. It's, it's, it's nothing other than that. So biblical unity is countercultural, and it always has been from the very beginning, from the early church. It's always been something that doesn't really make sense to people looking in from the outside. Um, and the New Testament letters, Paul's letters, make it really clear that actually overcoming differences in those close-knit early communities was there right from the beginning. Like we get examples of practical things, so you know how widows and orphans should be cared for, how money should be given out, how people should get their fair share, and they had to put things in place to make that happen. And we get th really important theological things, like whether circumcision was necessary for salvation, whether you were allowed to eat food that had been um, sacrificed to idols. These are massive theological deals, and they had huge arguments about them. <laughs> and, and they, you know, so it's not like, oh, now we've moved into kind of modern society, we now have lots of conflict. It's always been there. But the, the different thing about being Christians, about following Jesus, is that where other religions or faiths might look for either conformity or individualism, Christ calls us to something else. Um, and actually, I think difference, this is my statement, it's not from the Bible, um, <laughs> difference is the nature of church. You could even say it's the whole point. Because actually, as we come together in all our messiness and our difference and our difficulty, that's where that's where um, Christ is glorified, because that's where his goodness and his grace is seen. So it's never going to be easy, and I was challenged recently on a particular perception I had that actually, well, if God wants to do this particular thing for us as a church, then surely that should just happen. Everybody should agree, because if that's what God's saying, then, you know... You know, he, likes, he confirms his word. But actually, that's not what we see in the New Testament. That's not what we see when we look at the early church and trying to resolve what it actually means to, to be Christ's body. And in terms of our society, it can feel particularly tribal at the moment. We, we're constantly required to demonstrate, um, often in ways we don't even realise which side we're on. You know, we need, you know, ambivalence isn't tolerated. You're not allowed to say, I don't have an opinion. You need to give an opinion one way or the other, particularly if you're on social media or you're exposed to maybe some of those more um, kind of tense issues that there are in society. Um, and that can, that can suck us in and make us think, well, actually, I need to be standing on these things that I believe in. And, and yes, that's right. We need to stand for righteousness. We need to stand with our convictions. But that can never get in the way of loving each other. So Jesus is the only thing that unites us. And he's the basis for the connection we have. And so when I was thinking about this and thinking about unity, I found this, this verse. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. So here it's talking about... 
is talking in reference to the Jews and the Gentiles who were completely different groups, who had completely different belief systems, just a different way of thinking about the world. Um, and he's saying that actually Jesus is the one who, has, who binds us together. He's the only thing that connects us. And when we start looking for other things to connect us, other than Jesus and his sacrifice and his love for us, that's when we run into problems. Um, and it talks about how Jesus set aside the law here. And I think sometimes um, I think about the law as the Ten Commandments or the stuff in the Old Testament. But actually, I think Paul is talking about a kind of lawful thinking here. Like, we don't necessarily live by the law in the same way that the Jews would have done in, in the early church, but we, we have a way of putting laws in our heart, don't we? Um, but he's asking us to, to, Paul's asking us to, set us, to show that, that Jesus has, has killed that law. We need to set that aside in favour of his grace. And as humans, we'll always try and make those laws. But that's the difference. That's what unites us, is the fact that we say, actually, I'm setting aside those laws. I'm setting aside those boundaries because Jesus unites us. And sometimes I think it would be simpler to find a church where everyone thinks like me, shares my views and my approach to life. I don't actually think such a church exists. But, but then I was thinking, can you imagine what it would be like to have all your limbs as left legs. <laughs> if we think about that image of, of a body, we wouldn't be able to function. And that's the point of church, is that all this messy difference is brought together into something glorious because of the love that Jesus gives us. He himself is our peace. I've been reading a bit of um, Bonhoeffer recently, it's a bit of a dense read, but this is an amazing book, Life Together. And he was, um, he was a German theolog theologian writing at the time of uh, kind of as the Second World War was dawning and the church was kowtowing to the Nazis and there was a resistance. He was part of the resistance. So it's a pretty, pretty tricky time to be part of church um, in a wider sense. Um, and he actually died as a result of his involvement in the resistance. But I love this quote. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. And I just think that's such a helpful picture. Because I, I know for myself throughout the last year, I've had a really clear picture in my head of what community ought to be. And working towards that. Like, well, if we do this, then we'll be able to love people properly. If we put this in place, then more people will feel this way, and that will be good. But, but that's not what community is about. We have a simple command to love one another from Jesus. Um, and that's what creates beautiful unity. Um, and looking back at that Acts passage that we started with, um, it's really interesting if you look at where that's placed in Scripture. So... That, it comes just after um, Peter and John have been arrested um, and then released. And then they've come to the believers and they um, pray together for boldness to share the gospel in spite of the threats that are there. The Holy Spirit comes and fills them. And then it says that thing about them being one in heart and mind and there being no need among them because they're sharing everything they have. Um, and there just seems to be this coming together before God around his agenda. 
around the good news in spite of all of the kind of really quite um, threatening stuff happening around them. You know, it's a really dangerous time to be following Jesus. But they're not, they don't come together and pray, God, make it go away and make this all be nice. <laughs> they come and say, God, let us, let us, give us the boldness to keep doing this. And as the Holy Spirit comes, it's out of that that they're able to love one another, they're able to share their possessions, they're able to have that sense of being one in heart and mind. And it just makes me think about, what, what do I come here for? What do I, when I meet with my friends or you know, as I go about my activities in the week. What am I coming for? Am I coming, what agenda am I meeting my friends around? When I come on a Sunday morning, what agenda am I coming with? So the Holy Spirit comes and it brings a oneness that overflows into active love. And it's just like um, John and Jamie have been sharing. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the key. And we really see that in that passage. So... It's about intertwined lives. It's not about intellectual agreement. And this will be painful and make no sense at times. But it's an opportunity to ask God for more of his compassion and more humility. Because that's what Jesus demonstrates for us time and time again, isn't it? It's when we think we've got it right. And when we think, no, actually this time I'm sticking by my guns because I know that I'm correct. Actually, I think the best thing you can do at that point in time Certainly from my perspective, the best thing I could do is say, okay, God, but what you show us is humility, so give me more of that. God's made room for us all, with all of our quirks and mistakes and strengths, and actually all the mess and differences covered by his grace. Um, So back to my kind of scriptural disagreement as I was walking around the park with my friend. Um, So I was getting really frustrated that she was seeing this the wrong way and it was leading her to make choices that I thought well those are just not good choices that's not biblical um but as we finished our time together we stopped talking about that and she just shared with me something that God had said to her that morning and it was like I don't often get a feeling of like oh my gosh God is speaking to me but it was just wham like it was just God spoke to me and cut through all of the kind of stuff in my head and it was powerful and accurate and faith-building, and it was just what I needed to hear. And, and that was wonderful, but it also made me think, actually, that's, that's unity. It's being invested in each other in spite of all our differences and disagreements. It's loving and caring for one another over every barrier, every um, disagreement that we might have, everything that irritates us about other people. It's loving each other in spite of that. And that's unity, and that's powerful. And you see in that Acts passage, the authorities, when they take in um, Peter and John, they don't know what to do with them. They're, they're, they're bemused, and they're worried, and it, it causes a stir, and it causes the systems of the world to, to not know what to do, because who is this bunch of people who are unified around this, this dead man? Like, what is that? But that's the power of the church. That's the power of our unity, is the reality that actually the only thing that binds us together is the love of Jesus and his sacrifice for us. Um, so now, this one's really long, sorry. But I don't know, you know when a quote's so good and you're like, I can't cut it. But it's another Bonhoeffer quote. Um, and it just talks about the fact that as soon as you try and make connections based on anything other than the fact 
that Jesus died for you, then that, that's, not, that's not what God wants. I have community with others and I shall continue to have it only through Jesus Christ. The more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede. The more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. And that's what I want to see in my friends. That's what I want to see in other people in this community is that amazing work that Jesus is doing in their lives. And as we both, as we all become more like him, actually our unity comes to its fullness. And that's the promise that God has for us. Um, we have one another only through Christ, but through Christ we do have one another wholly for eternity. What a powerful promise that is. Um, so I just want to leave you with a few questions just to ask yourself. Because a lot of this stuff I'm like, well, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> but for me, actually, it was really helpful to go back and look over it because there have been times this year where a difference of opinion has stopped me loving someone. So I want you to ask yourself that. Is that going on for you at the moment? Have you been afraid to speak your mind because you're afraid of feeling rejected? Is there something burning within you, a view or an opinion or a sense that God's saying something but you think, no, that doesn't fit here? I think that it's time to, to speak that out because the only thing <laughs> that can happen from that is that either you bring the word of God or, or, or you move well, both things will happen. You might bring something that's really important. You might move forward with him. But there's that opportunity to be accepted and to accept that love from those around you. Have you made a law in your mind and written off a member of the body? So are there particular behaviours you've seen or opinions being expressed? You're like, no, I just want nothing to do with that. Just, that is just so ridiculous or so difficult to deal with that no, I'm just not going to bother with those people. And if that's you, I think it's an opportunity to ask God to change your heart and remind you of what it is that binds us together. I think a lot was sticking out to me there, but just that, that reminder, if you are asking yourself some of those questions, has a difference of opinion stopped you loving someone? Have you been afraid to speak your mind because you're afraid of being rejected? Have you made a law in your mind and written off a member of the body? And if you're asking yourself those questions and maybe you're finding yourself answering yes to one or more of them, I just want to bring us back to what Charlotte was saying. It's our, our identity has to be found in Jesus. That's, that's what it is. Because if I know that I'm loved by Jesus and you are loved by Jesus, then that, that Charlotte said, that takes precedence, that usurps everything else. And I don't say that as a, right, you've got to be better now. I can't be better. I can only do that with Jesus. And because he loves us so much, because God's grace is so, so sufficient, He's going to help us love each other more. You know, he doesn't just leave us to do it by ourselves. So I'm just going to pray. And if you want to respond, you can just call out to God now as I'm praying. Lord God, I thank you that you have joined us together. Lord, I thank you that your command for us to, 
to love one another isn't an impossible task. But Lord, you give us the ability to do that, Lord. Lord, I thank you that having things in common and getting along with each other, that stuff is great. That's not bad. But Lord, I thank you that I can love someone who doesn't necessarily hold all of my opinions, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you've placed us in this community to really show who you are to people, to love each other. So Lord, I just pray that you meet with us now, that we would know that it's not, not by our strength of character or good personalities, but it's, it's only through you that we can really love each other, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Right, we're going to bring the meeting to a close in a minute. There will be an opportunity to receive prayer. If you want to come to this area, if you want to respond to anything that you've heard Charlotte sharing this morning, or if you want someone to stand with you for healing or anything, there will be an opportunity to do that here. And for those who are on Zoom, someone will pray with you also if you want to receive prayer. So the number on the screen, you can just text that and someone will get in touch with you. Um, Kim is just going to share something with us very quickly. just feel Jesus wants to heal somebody with something to do with their right ear. No, it was left ear, right foot, and some throat thing. And I don't mean just a cold and a sore throat, but something throat thing that's been going on for some time. Cool. So if you think that is you, come and get prayer. And just a final thing, um, there will be, for those on Zoom, there will be some online tea and coffee that will be led by Paul and Teresa. So you can stay behind for that. Otherwise, we will bring the meeting to a close there. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.